Notice in many people putting up requests and a prayer. That's a we appreciate that very much because that the Bible said that they taken from the body of Paul handkerchiefs and aprons and unclean spirits went out of people and evils sickness left them and diseases and God is still God. He's just as much today as he was in the days of, of St. Paul. He just doesn't change. Now, many people take those claws and anoint them with oil and send them to the loved ones. Now, that's, that's just fine. Uh, anything that God blesses, I, I'm right for it, aren't you? Yeah. But scripturally, Paul didn't anoint them. They'd taken them from his body. Acts 19 said they'd taken from his body. And uh, the evil spirits left the people. Now, I'm, we know that that St. Paul, we're not St. Paul, but he's still Jesus. So then, he's just as much Jesus today as he was in the days of St. Paul. So he just honored the people's faith in his servant. And he'll do the same for you. The greatest of the miracles that I have ever known of being performed was when the people uh, sent in little prayer calls, or we sent them to them, and they were healed. Send thousands of those weekly all over the world. And I remember in South Africa where we was having a great meeting at a big air field. They let, it, let us have it for the meetings of people is in Cape Town. There was so many. We had no building to put them in. We had that on the airfield. And there was, um, I think they had it around, I forget how many sacks of just these great big uh, burlap sacks full of mail and um, to be prayed over. And I went along praying over this mail, and one of the reporters said, Brother Branham is very superstitious, and he was praying over letters to send out to sick people. Well, you see, the, the brother just didn't understand that that's a commission that's been left us of the scriptures that we should pray over those things. And just a little instance of it, because we want to, tonight is, or we have given the service uh, mainly tonight for a prayer for the sick. There was um, some time ago I was reading one of the testimonies to return back a lady in Germany. She'd been crippled for some 17 years sitting in a wheelchair. And when we send these out, we uh, send little uh, pieces of cloth when they don't send them, because I used to be able to put a handkerchief in, but when they go into thousands and handkerchiefs about 15, 20 cents a piece, you can't do it. And um, so we just get hundreds of yards of ribbons and cut them in little pieces, and I pray over each one. If you happen to need one, just send to the office. We, we pray over them and send them out. Then you'll have a little form letter, and people gets up all hours of the night, makes a chain around the world, prayer for the sick. The Bible said we could confess our faults one to another and pray one for the other. And so we um, all around the nation, around the world. So this little lady got hers, and there's an instruction there that says, if, you, if it's possible, call in your pastor. And then if, uh, let him have prayer with you when you put the ribbon on you. And if you don't have your pastor handy, then call some good Christian neighbor 
if you've done any sin, evil to anyone, spoken evil or done anything wrong that you know of, go make that right first before you put the ribbon on you. And then get ready. And then when they put the ribbon on, then believe that God heals. Place it, I tell them, on their underneath garment, near their heart. And it's so many hours, 9 o'clock at morning, 12 o'clock at noon, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the world around is a prayer chain on that. People get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and so forth to make that prayer chain around the world. And then if maybe a million and a half or two million people praying at one time for each other, something's just got to happen. God just it was bound to hear that. And then so on that they would, this little German lady it was very, uh, well, I wouldn't want to say like it was sacrilegious to say it, kind of cute, but she said, what uh, a little handkerchief on me. She said, there was my neighbor lady come over to pray with me. And she said, I had uh, all my sins I confessed and asked the Lord to let me walk again so I could glorify him. said, when all was done, Brother Branham said, I put the little ribbon on my underneath garment. I said, all right, Mr. Devil, you help me just as long as you're going to. She got a father wheelchair walking on. <laughs> just that simple. Amen. You, just being simple. You know, the trouble with we Christians, or we human beings, we make God so far away and so complicated. The simplicity. Um, I've been noticing each night a couple of the Indians sitting right along here. They're not here, I suppose, tonight. But uh, someone told me that uh, if there were some singers that have been singing, some Indian boys have been singing, I would like to have heard them before they left. But however, I was thinking of the first time I ever preached to Indians, it was the Apaches at, uh, in Arizona, up at San Carlos. And so the Indian is a very odd fellow. I found that out from going fishing the other morning, I asked him on what he was using for bait. He said, just bait. <laughs> you would tell me. I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> He sure was a fisherman. And so um, I was, um, is it amazing? I remember my boy one time was giving out prayer cards at a big tent meeting in Phoenix. And I found coming on the prayer line, people with maybe a headache and a bad tooth and people sitting out there with cancer dying. And I said, Billy, don't you do that. You ask the people what's wrong with them. He usually just mixes up the cards and gives them to anybody that wants them. So then I said, don't do that. I said, because you ask the people, there's too many real serious sick people there just to give a fellow a card that's got a, having a headache or a toothache and a man sitting there dying with cancer and wanting to be prayed for. I said, now, you shouldn't do that. I said, just ask them what's wrong. So Billy goes down to the meeting that night and uh, he, uh, just a little fellow then, and he got his cards and mixed them up and he said, now, each one of you has to tell me what's the matter with you. My daddy said that that not to give these prayer cards the people had just had toothaches and headaches and so forth, and people were dying with cancer. So the whole chief, he was sitting right down the floor as usual, and he kept his hat on. And so uh, he walked over, he began to notice Billy's prayer cards getting smaller and smaller as he was getting them out. He tapped him on the shoulder, he reached out his hand, and he said, Chief said, um, my daddy said, you'd have to tell me what was wrong with you. Are you very sick? I said, what's wrong with you? He said, me sick. So he said, well, go sit down. <laughs> you went over and started getting out, and Chief noticed that little bunch of cards getting smaller and smaller. He came up in, tapped him on the back. He said, uh, 
He said, what's wrong, chief? He said, me sick. So he said, well, uh, just a moment. And so he was saying, anybody real sick, it was cancer or something, so I'm getting a prayer card. After a while, chief saw it just two or three. You run and grab Billy. He said, me sick. <laughs> Billy said, take this card and ride. I went, me sick. <laughs> 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 Me sick. <laughs> I got got him on the prayer line that night. And I said, Chief, I said, um, are you believe God? He said, At right. And I said, uh, Are you gonna be a good boy after the Lord heals you? He said, At right. And everything I told him, At right. Come to find out, he only knew about two or three words, and one of them was At right. So. <laughs> We went to the reservation. There may be people here with that, the St. Carlos Reservation that night. Thousands of them gathered out for prayer. And the Indian, he's not much to, he's got to know what he's doing. He just don't walk into anything. When I was speaking, I kind of had to find favor with him. And if there's anybody of any nation, of any people in all the world, I feel sorry for it's an Indian. That's right. They got a raw, dirty deal from us. It's exactly right. If there's any stain on the American flag, it's the way they do the Indian. Taking all the uh, sheep away from him, putting him out in the poorest country in the world, and giving him $10 a month to live on or something, that's not right. No, sir. After all, this is his nation. God gave him this. We took it away from him. That's exactly right. And so I always felt sorry for the poor people living out there, and I always wanted to pray with them. And so I promised Lord at Phoenix if he'd heal an alcoholic and a tuberculosis woman that I'd go up to the reservation and both of them brought back their certificates that they were healed. So then I went to the reservation that night. They stood me up on a little assembly of God doorstep place, like a little porch at the little assembly. There's a lady. Some of you assembly brothers might. Sister Marshall. That's who the lady was. She was a, a missionary up there. Now, I stood there and spoke to them all, and they sat around, thousands of them out there. And they, it's beautiful to see them sitting on their blankets and things, waiting for the service. And when I usually make an altar call, you'd have a stampede. But I said, now, all that wants to be prayed for, you couldn't speak their language, and we, and them days, we didn't give out prayer cards anyhow. So I said, all that wants to be prayed for, let them stand up. It wasn't nobody stood up. I thought, well, that's strange. It kind of surprised me. Nobody stood up. Well, I said, told the interpreter, I said, did you say what I said? He said, every word. I said, may I say it again? All that wants me to pray for them for their healing, may they stand up. Nobody stood up. So the Sister Marshall came from back inside with the Indian lady. The Apaches are great big people, husky, burly people. And a lady came out, and I was looking at her just a moment, and I said, now, the lady is sick. She has a venereal disease, but it's not because of immoral living. It's because she has to live the way she does. And that lady looked at me as if to think, how did you know that? And I prayed with her. And a little while, that, a man came out. He had a little coming of the eye. And then the next came out was a, a, a little girl. And she had her little head bowed down. And, and I said, well, can you look up this way, sweetheart? Nope. Of course, she couldn't even understand what I was saying. And um, I said, well, the Lord can reveal it. And then it said she had a fever, and uh, she went deaf in both ears. And she being deaf, she went dumb also. She could not speak or hear. And I picked the little girl up in my arms, and I said, Lord, 
if you please, I, we don't we don't ask for miracles. We don't ask for those things. But if it would, it would help the people. And if you just do it, I want to find favor with these poor rejected people. And when I prayed for the little girl, I sat her down. I said, "Look at me. Look up like that." I say, "You love your mama like that." And she went to mama and all something. And I know she could hear. I said, "You see, she can hear, but she'll probably talk better." And the mother standing with the little girl said, "Hmm, her talk heap good right now." <laughs> I just couldn't understand. Couldn't understand what she was saying. Then Nan talked. There's a little cross-eyed boy. Was next. I've never in my life ever seen God turn a cross-eyed child down. I guess why? Because when my baby, when I was just a little boy, I lost my wife and baby, you know, and the little girl suffered so hard to her eyes crossed, and I just passed out almost looking at her, and I never could stand to see a child cross-eyed. Lord always answers prayer for that. And then when this little Indian boy's little eyes were crossed, and I tucked the little fellow up my arm and prayed. I, I know God had did it. And I said, before I even turn the little boy around, if his eyes isn't perfectly straight, then I'm a false prophet. I turn him around there, and then talk about a prayer line. We had a stampede. <laughs> and I asked the interpreter, said they thought it was fake at first, but now they see it's real. So then the next in line was an elderly lady, Sister Marshall, was bringing out from the inside. And a poor old thing, if there's an Indian here, please don't think I'm saying this casting off something about being poor. But probably the poor sister was so, she couldn't afford crutches and she had broomsticks with a, where they saw off a little block and wrapped rags around it. And she was to be next arthritis. And she was so stiffened up, she'd take these sticks and put one out like this and the other end, make her steps like that. And then she'd set them out and make little bitty short steps. And when she got there, as a, a custom sometimes of Indians to plait leather in their hair. And she looked up at me, those little dark-looking eyes, and have great deep wrinkles in her cheeks, the, and the tears cutting their way down through like little ditches through her cheeks. She looked up at me like that, and I thought, oh, God, somebody's mother. No doubt that hands has raked back uh, many a little crying baby's eyes, maybe never had very many decent meals in all of her life. And you have to enter into feel for the people if you're going to pray for them. And so standing there looking at that, she just looked up at me and she started smiling. I never prayed or done a thing. She just got one crutch in one hand, one other hand with me and went walking on off the platform just as good as anybody. Just that simple. See? Now, we, we try to make it complicated. Is it all right for just one more little thing about? It's about three o'clock in the morning. I was still standing in the line. and. I said, I'll pray for all of them because I had to leave the next day. And I noticed them all coming in wet, way up around this way. And I said, what's the matter with Why, why are they wet? said, well, they've run out into the, the reservation and bringing their loved ones and said they're not waiting go down about 10 miles to the ford, so they're wait, walk right across the river with them, pack them on their back or anyway, get them over there. And then I, coming along, pushing in from the side, coming in the back door and going out the front, there was a... Uh, a man had tuck a board and put two sticks across it. He had an old gray-headed fella with his legs across his knees here and across his arms. And there's two great, big, husky-looking Indians packing him. And one was standing there, and his lips is real blue, and he's shivering cold, wet all over. And I said, you speak English? He said, little. And I said, don't you think you'll take pneumonia being wet? 
see what he'd say, you know, he's testing his faith. He said, Jesus Christ says, take care of me, I brought my dad. <laughs> What's the matter with your daddy? Him sick. He was shaking, had palsy, like that. The old fellow laying there, you know. I said, does he speak English? No. Nope. I said, bring him here. They passed him by. I guess his brother behind, his younger-looking man, like, passed by. I put my hands over him. I said, sir, may the Lord bless you. I said, Jesus, help this poor dear man who cannot help himself. Honor the faith of his son who has brought him. I said, all right. Pass him on. Now, just a moment, I, I heard something screaming. I and looked around. The old man had the board on his own shoulder going around waving at everybody. Going around. <laughs> <laughs> well, many times, us pale-faced people, we just said, well, pray for me again. I'll go back to the line. Oh, my. They just believe. That's all. It's just childlike faith. That's the way we have to do it. See? Just believe. It's not complicated. Down in Mexico City last year, when General Valdina, many of you, brother, I guess, know General Valdina is one of the outstanding generals of the Mexican Army. I had the privilege of being the first Protestant ever invited to Mexico City to pray for the sick people to have a meeting by the Mexican Army. And that was through General Valdina. I just met him the other day at the convention. The full gospel businessman shook hands with him, come back again. It was over there three nights out, went to the bull ring, but we didn't get that, so they had a great big place out there in the field, big, another big arena, right? And the people, I talk about walking Christ, they come there at 9 o'clock in the morning, no place to sit down, and I didn't even arrive till 9 at night. They just leaned against one another like sheep standing in the field. And I remember the second night, pouring down rain, those poor people standing there in that rain, just the Mexican people. And the night before, there had been a great miracle done. This an old man come across the platform. And in Mexico, their economics is very poorly balanced. Maybe you say, Poncho makes, he's a bricklayer, makes eight pesos a day, and he had to work four days to get himself a pair of shoes. Now, that's the balance of the economics in Mexico. But yet, they have to pay 50 cents out of that to burn a grease candle on a million-dollar order. But then when we uh, come, this old fellow come up there, and he was blind. He'd been about the age of my dad, if he, my father were to live. And he didn't have no shoes on, his poor old feet all scubbed up, and his trouser legs ragged, old dusty-looking shirt on, old hat in it, wound up with strings, and, and he was getting close and next to the line. And so they told him, next, and brother, one of the assembly of God evangelists there, Espinosa, so you all may know brother Espinosa in California, he, he was my interpreter, he told him he was next. And he reached down his pocket and got out a little rosary and started to say, I know that's not necessary. And uh, he come up and I looked at him. Oh, how a fellow would feel. A poor old man maybe never had a decent meal in his life. And he didn't have no shoes on. There I stood with a good suit and a good pair of shoes. I put my foot upside of his, see my shoes and fit him. I give him my shoes right there. And his shoulders are way wider than mine. My coat wouldn't fit him. And then there he was in blindness. And I just put my arms around the old fellow and prayed, Oh God, be merciful. All at once I heard, Glory Adios. There he was, running up down the platform, can see as good as I can or you can, just having a wonderful time. And the next night, with a platform as long as this room is here, 
a rick of old coats and scarves and shawls, that high laying there to be prayed over. How did ever know who it belonged to? I don't know. And then it raining, them getting wet, just right out in the open, a great big arena. And Billy come to me and said, Daddy, you, there's a woman down there has got a dead baby that died this morning. He said, you can't do nothing with her. said, she climbed over top of them ushers, walked over top of her shoulders, that baby. And said, we've shoved her off to the platform three or four times, but we can't do that. You've got to come over and see her. How many know Jack Moore, Brother Jack Moore from Shreveport, Louisiana? I guess many of you do. Well, he was with me, and I said, Brother Jack, you go and offer a prayer for the little lady. And I said, for the baby, I said, it's been dead since this morning. I said, that'll kind of comfort her. I said, I can't bring her up here. She hasn't got a prayer card. And I said, it wouldn't be right to the people holding a prayer card. They got the priority of getting to the prayer line. They stood here early this morning and got those cards. And so Brother Jack started over to to see the lady. And I just looked out across the audience. I seen a little baby in a vision. Just grew and clapped his little hands, little Mexican baby. I turned around and thought, well, maybe I better go over there. I said, bring her up. And so they parted away. Beautiful little lady, about, I'd say, 20 years old. She had a little blanket like this, and her little form was laying under the blanket. And she fell down on her knees and began to scream, Padre, you know. I said, just, just raise up, sister. And I laid my hands on the little fellow. I couldn't speak Spanish. And, and I laid my hands on the little baby. God in heaven, who is the author of this Bible, knows this truth. Laid hands on that little baby, and the first thing you know, a squeal let out and started jumping and squealing. And I said, now don't say nothing about this. Don't you publish this in any paper until you go and let the doctor sign a statement that that baby died this morning. See, there's about from 9 o'clock that morning till around 9, 30, 10 that night, the baby had been dead. And they got the doctor's statement signed that he pronounced the baby dead that morning at 9 o'clock. And that was 10, uh, nearly 10 o'clock that night, between 9, 30 and 10. And the baby's living today. Just by simple faith. I had nothing to do with the healing of the baby. Of course, the vision comes. But when the vision speaks, there's nothing can ever turn that around. It's always perfect. It's always perfect. And in praying for the sick, tonight as we pray for the sick, the Lord may come to us and give the vision. And if it does, remember, the vision does not heal people. The vision is only a vindication that the word is right. How many knows what the word prophet means? Sure you do. A prophet means that a one that foretells or foretells, and it is a divine uh, sign from God that this person that's speaking has the right interpretation of the divine word, because the word of the Lord came unto the prophet. And the prophet foretold and done those signs, which is a vindication that he had the interpretation of the word. See, a sign has a voice. Moses was told, God told Moses when he said, do a sign with his hand, then do a sign with a stick. He said, if they don't hear the voice of the first sign, they'll hear the voice of the second sign. Each sign has a voice. And God's voice speaks to us, and if he does that, then I want each of you people to believe with all your heart that Christ, the Son of God, is here to make you well. And now remember, when he's speaking, when he speaks, it's not me. Now, I took two nights of real stern, heavy preaching, and I, I wouldn't apologize for what it said. 
because it's the truth, friend. I, I, I'm zealous of the church. And tonight, to hear this group of men, I've sat with men melt more in groups than I've ever sat with a nicer bunch of real believing brothers. Uh, that put his arm around me, come in a few minutes ago, and said, We appreciate that message last night. I said, It's very hard. He said, But it inspires us to move on, too. I, I got confidence in a man like that. Yes, sir. Yes. When we take, if, if I was just saying it to be smart, then that would be wrong. I, I should go to the altar and get right with God. But when it's the truth, friends, then we ought to measure up to what God says. Yeah, that's right. God knows. One night this week, I want to tell you something that happened to me about a month ago, and you'll understand then about uh, something that happened. It, whether it was a vision or not, I don't know. I told the brethren at the breakfast, and I want to see to the chairman and some of the committee, if it's all right to speak it here on the platform some night, something that happened like a vision to me. And I, I love people. I just love people. And I, I want to live forever with them. I want to live in eternity with them. And I would rather kind of stir you up just a little bit now than to hear you stand there on that day like a girl that died in our city recently. And there's a girl comes to Tabernacle, a little old-fashioned girl. And, and so this girl made fun of her, called her old-fashioned and everything. And, and she asked her to go to a dance with her. And the girl from the Tabernacle said, we don't go to dances. She said, that narrow-minded pastor of yours, Mr. Branham, she said, if he wasn't such a crank and a religious fanatic, you'd have more liberty. She said, I do not do this because of Mr. Brand's convictions. I do this on my own convictions of Jesus Christ. God bless that girl. This lady that said that to her was a Sunday school teacher. Mr. Perkins works for, a mis for the undertaker there in the city. About six months after this remark was made, this girl taken sick and died. They didn't know what it was. It was venereal disease. Mr. Perkins, when he was pumping the embalming fluid into the girl's body, he kept smelling something, is leaking like, and he opened up and she had holes eat in her like that from a venereal disease. That's right. And a lot of room to make fun, say somebody's fanatic. When she died, this is all right, I'll tell you the testimony. When the girl died, she brought all of her Sunday school class in is to watch her go home to heaven, of course. But she was very worldly. Very, very worldly. And then when she uh, got ready to die, she thought it was all right. You know, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Well, this girl, when she got ready to die, her pastor uh, smoked cigarettes in the holder, on the holder, wore one of these turned-around collars. That's perfectly all right if he wants to do that. But if he just preached the gospel. Jesus, I don't think Jesus marked himself any different than any other man. He dressed like ordinary men and went among men. He was a man among men. And so he was our example when it comes to dressing or anything else. I don't think we have to dress. I think our lives tell better than our dressing does of what we are. And so then, this uh, no disregards to that old. But the man was out in the hall, and, and so when the girl got ready to die, when death struck her, instead of seeing angels come, she said, My God, I'm lost. And they called the pastor, and she said, and he said, here, 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 here. said, you know you're all right. said, you've been a member of the church. She, she said, you deceiver of man. You're the cause of it. I'm going to hell and you're the cause of it. 
and she called for that girl that she had said that up there at the tabernacle, little Mrs. Hume. But they didn't get her there in time. The girl died, and, that, and, the, and the minister said she was in hysterics and asked that the doctor come and give her a hypo, but she was gone before the doctor got there, saying all kinds of evil things against that minister. Brother, sister, I'd hate to stand before one of the people I preached before and hear somebody say that to me. If I have to make it real rough sometimes, I'd rather be that way and be good and clean and straight with God when the time comes. Now, before we open this word, uh, let us pray as we bow our heads. Most gracious and holy Father, we approach thy divine throne of justice tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus, pleading his blood upon our souls that we not stand in condemnation. But yet, without that shed blood, we would all be condemned, and there be no way for us to ever approach Thee. But we have this blessed thing from Him, that if you ask the Father anything in my name, He'll do it. And Father, we pray tonight that you will forgive us of our trespasses, anything that we have done or said or thought that was wrong, forgive us for it. If it be thy divine will, we are to pray for thy sick, suffering children in just a little while. We are approaching a subject in a few moments to build a platform, as it would be, for the people's faith to rest upon this foundation of the Word, God's eternal Word. Will you supply us, Lord, with context of the text that I have chosen for this afternoon? May the Holy Spirit take the Word and place it in every heart, just as we have need of. You know our needs, Lord, and we pray that you will plant the seed of the gospel in our hearts until it will grow into a great trees of salvation and comfort and health to each one. And these handkerchiefs that's laying here, Lord God, I lay my hands upon them. In the Remembrance of St. Paul, who's done this commission, believing that he got it in the Bible where that Elijah took the staff and told Gehazi, go lay it on the baby, for he knew that everything he touched was blessed. And he knew that that staff would, was blessed because when the Holy Spirit was on him, his hands was on the staff. And then to get the woman to believe it. I believe that is where St. Paul must have got the Scripture. Now these handkerchiefs represent, no doubt, sick children, sick fathers, mothers, and loved ones, convalescent homes, blind daddy sitting somewhere in a room, beating a white stick against the floor, wanting to see the sunlight again, want to see the trees, the pretty blue waters, but the enemy has covered his eyes with cataracts. A mother laying there sick, a little baby with fever, waiting for the return of these handkerchiefs. Oh, Lord, hear me, Lord, I pray. It is written one time that the children of Israel was on the road to the Promised Land, and the Red Sea got in the road. And it said by one writer that God looked down through that pillar of fire with angry eyes, and the Red Sea got scared rolled back, and Israel marched on to the Promised Land. O oh, Divine Father, 
May you not only look through the pillar of fire, but through the blood of Jesus. And when these little tokens are sent to the bedsides of the sick and the afflicted, or wherever they may be, may you look through the blood of the Lord Jesus. No, he died at Calvary, and he was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes, we were healed. May the enemy get scared. Move away, and may this sick people pass into that good land of hell, which is written in the Scripture, I would above all things that you prosper in hell. Grant it, Lord, may every sickness leave the people, for we send them in the name of Jesus Christ for that purpose, as this great church here tonight prays together with me. Amen. You may come and receive them just as soon as the service is over. And if you want one and don't have one here, just write me. Everything's free. We don't have nothing that we charge for. Just write me any time to Jeffersonville, Indiana. We'll send you one. If you don't have no use of it, put it in your Bible on Acts, the 19th chapter. And if sickness occurs in the home and you believe, now take that little handkerchief and lay it on. It'll be, we believe that God will heal. We had time, we'd tell many testimonies of that, but I don't have the time now. <clears throat> Let us open our Bibles. You are keeping the scriptures down. To St. Luke, the 18th chapter, 37th and 38th verse, for just a little text. And now, while you're turning, perhaps maybe tomorrow night and on, we don't know just as the Holy Spirit will lead. We believe that maybe we'll be praying for the sick the rest of the week, each night, getting a few each night and what we can. And uh, as long as sick people come and want the prayer cards to be prayed for. The reason we give them prayer cards is to line them up, see? You'd uh, say, maybe say there's a thousand people here tonight, maybe five hundred of them wants to be prayed for. We can't bring them all up here at once. We know that. And for, on a line of discernment, we can just get a very, very, very few, because it just nearly kills you. How many understand that scripturally? Sure you See? And so, and then we can't bring too many, but night after night, we'll try to get just what we can. All right. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by, and he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It was a real cold morning. He was tired. He had been up all night long. He must have dreamed all night that he could see, and he woke up late. And in those days there were many beggars. They sat along the street sides, and the people coming in, the merchants going to their work, perhaps had an arm to give to them. And the first beggar he met, he gave his arm, and that settled it for the day. He had nothing else he could give. So many of them had stalls like our. Uh, places where they sat and waited for someone to pass by and give them an arm. And if they missed it, well, then they'd done without through the day. Many times they had little things to give, little enchantments, like I was in India recently, and they, each one's got a, a cobra snake or a little monkey or, or something or another to attract the attention of tourists. This must have been a cold morning, chilly, springtime, near Easter, and he was ragged, and he come in late, and his place was to set at the gate of Jericho. His name was Barnabas, and he, uh, we told that he was married, 
had a little girl. But being that he was up all night, did not get much sleep, he got up late and he missed his, his time of begging alms. Uh, most of the outside merchants that lived outside of the city had done one in. It was getting along up in the day. So I can picture our scene tonight as it opened at the north side of the gate leading up towards, up towards Jerusalem, the north gate of Jericho. Many of the old stones are still laying there that were shut down during the time when the people shouted and Joshua and the priests sounded the trumpets and the walls of Jericho fell down. Let's imagine Barney Mayus now sitting on one of the rocks near where the cobblestone highway still stands as it was in ancient days. It runs down, on down along towards the Jordan. And as he sat there, he must have been thinking, now, I'll probably have to do without something to eat my family tonight, for I was too late. I couldn't get in. All the merchants has gone by, and I won't get anything today. But I couldn't help it. I was so tired and worn out this morning when I got here. And he sat down, let's believe that he began to think about, oh, if I could have only, that dream could have been a reality, that I could again see. I've been blind now for many years, he'd say. And if I could just see like I used to, then his mind began to wander back to when he was a little boy used to play out there in the springtime, which would be just a, oh, a few days later, and how on the hills of the banks of Jordan, little buttercup flowers bloom all up and down in little blue flowers, and what a beautiful sight it is. How it, that he used to think when he was a little boy, how he would roam up and down that hill and frolic and play with the other little boys. And then he remembers that along after his sweet Jewish mother would call him in for his noonday meal, after he would have his dinner, she would get out on the porch and she would put him on her lap and stroke his little hair back out of his eyes and she'd look at him and he'd see how pretty she was and how he, she'd say, Barney Mayus, your little eyes as as blue as the skies above. Or oh, you think if I could just once more live those days over when I could see the flowers and chase the bees around and hear the pretty birds and see them and see my lovely mother, but alas, old age struck her and she wrinkled up and finally died and we buried her many years ago. And here I am, old and poor and poverty-stricken, sitting here begging blind. And he used to think of how he cherished the little Bible stories she would tell him before uh, he went off to sleep as she would finally pull him up in her bosom and rock him to sleep. And one of the stories that he used to like was the story that I was just referring to a while ago of the little boy that Elijah raised up from the dead. How his mother used to quote that story to him and say, Barnabas, there was a great woman, she was a Shunammite, and she uh, lived down in Shunam. And she had faith in a servant of God 
called Elijah, that great, mighty prophet. And he came by her house quite often, and one day she said to her husband, uh, we perceive that this man who comes by this way is a holy man. He's a great man because God works great signs and wonders through him. So I pray thee, let us show favor to him by building us on the side of our house, building for him, rather, a little house that he might stop and would rest. Now, I can imagine saying to Barnabas, you see, Barnabas, we are supposed to treat all people good. We're not supposed to be evil to anyone, and especially we are to honor and respect the household of God. So this woman, she was uh, sure that this man that visited with her was a great, mighty prophet of the Lord. And so her husband consented to it, and when Elijah and Gehazi, his servant, came by again, there was a nice little room built out to itself by the side of the wall, a little pitcher with some water in it, and a little bed and a footstool and a place for him to rest. He was on his road to a cave up at Mount Carmel where he went to fast and pray during certain days like new moons and holidays before the prophet spake in the streets. And when Elijah came in and seen all this that this kind woman had done, why well, he sent Gehazi in and said, Go ask her, what could we do for her? I'm a personal friend to the chief captain. And I also speak with the king. Could I speak in her behalf? And when Elijah asked her this, why, she said, No, I abide with my people. And, oh, she was a wealthy woman. They had need of nothing. They, she just done it out of the goodness of her heart. And that's the way you're supposed to do anything when you do it for God. Do it from the goodness of your heart. When you give anything, give it from your heart. If you can't do that, then don't do it, because your gift won't be respected to God. And just do it out of the goodness of your heart. Well, and when the servant came back and said to the prophet, well, she needs nothing, everything's all right with her, but I'll tell you one thing, she's getting a little aged, and her husband is an elderly man, and they don't have any children. No doubt for what the prophet saw vision, because no prophet or anyone else ever done anything of the Lord, for the Lord like that, except it be by vision. Now remember, that's right. Find any place in the Scripture or anywhere. It's always first God tells them. If God, man can't do nothing at random, he's a servant to God. Even Jesus Christ said, I do nothing in myself, but what I see the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. St. John 5, 19. And if the Son of God could do nothing without the Father showing him first, how much less could we? without God showing us first. Therefore, we boldly jump into things sometimes not knowing what we're doing. But when God gives a vision and speaks and shows exactly what he's going to do, it's just a drama to act it out. That's all because God's going to do it. He's already said so. So that takes care of it. Now, so he said, go call the Shunammite. And she stood in the door, and he said, according to the time of life, you're going to uh, embrace a child. Now, she said, I'm old, but Elijah's words came to pass just exactly like he said. For in a certain amount of months, she embraced a lovely little boy baby. 
I can see little Barnabas's eyes say, Did she love him, Mama, like you love me? Yes, just like I love you. He was a pretty little boy. She thought the prettiest there was in the world, like I think of you, like all mothers think of their babies. And, um, and one day when this little boy had grown up to about 10 or 12 years old, he was out with his father in the field because his father was a rich man. The harvest was going on. So he was out in the field with his father. And I suppose the little boy must have had a sunstroke. He began to cry, my head, my head. And it was about noontime. And one of the servants brought the little boy in and sat on his mother's lap until about the middle of the day. And the little boy grew worse and sicker and sicker until after a while the little boy died. Now I want you to watch. What when God begins to deal with a person, they do things sometimes that they don't even realize what they are doing. She took that little boy and laid him in the prophet's bed. What a place to put him. Just exactly right. Put him on the prophet's bed where she had built this little house and had tucked and put the little boy on the prophet's bed. And she said to the servant, saddle up a little mule and go forward. Don't you check unless I bid you. Her husband said, don't go up to Mount Carmel. It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. The prophet won't be there. But that mother's heart for her baby, she was, she was in distress. And she knew if she ever got to that prophet that she would find out why God took her baby. If God could tell the prophet she's going to have the baby and she had it, surely God could tell why he took the baby away. She said, all is well. Go ahead. And the servant went on to the Mount Carmel, and Elijah was there. He stood out at the cave door, looked out, and he said, Here comes that Shunammite, and said, She's weary, but God has hid it from me. He's never told me what she's, her trouble's about. You see, God don't tell his servants everything he does. He just lets them know what he wants them to know. See, it's up to God. That was this great man, but he didn't know what was her trouble. And so he said to Gehazi, run out and meet her and say, is all well. And he said, is all well with thee? Is all well with thy husband? Is all well with thy son? Look at that woman. All is well. Amen. I like that. Why? Her baby laying her cart. Her husband wringing his hands and screaming, walking up and down the yard, but all is well. I like that. Amen. Her purpose was to get into the presence of this prophet who had the anointing of the Lord upon him, and she knew that that prophet would know what to do, what to tell her. She knew he'd have, thus saith the Lord for her. And so all is well. If God took the baby, all right. As long as it's God's plan, God gave, God take it away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. See, but she wanted to know why. Was something she had done, or what was wrong. And when she ran up to the foot of Elijah and fell down at his feet. And so Gehazi thought that was a little misbehaving for a woman to fall at his master's feet. So he jerked her up. And so then she began to reveal to him about the baby being dead. Now, he said to Gehazi, take my staff and go forward and lay this upon the baby. And if anybody speaks to you, don't you speak to them. Somebody salutes you, that's how you do. Don't say a word. Just put your mind on taking this staff to the baby and start going. I like that. 
We haven't got no time to fool around. The message is urgent. People are dying. Let's go forward. And he took the staff and took off. Now, I believe if the woman would have believed that that would have done the work, it would have done it. But her faith wasn't in the staff, it was in the prophet. So she said, as the Lord, your God lives and never dies, your soul never dies, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay right here. Oh, I like that. Hold on to it. When you take a hold of God for something, don't you turn loose. Right. If you take Jesus for your healer, don't you let no devil, nothing else ever back you out of it. Hold on. I'll stay with it. Stay right there. As the Lord your God lives and your soul never dies, I'll not leave you till I find out about the baby. Well, Elijah couldn't get rid of her. So that's where you want to be with Jesus. You want to just get on his hands, just stay there, cry out day and night. That's the way. Yes, sir, don't you turn loose. Don't you back up one bit. If you believe it, stay there. There's mercy in the Lord. Stay with it. So I think that's why Mary, or Martha it was, that went out to meet Jesus. She told, she'd read that story of the Shunammite baby. She knew if God was in the prophet, surely God was in his son. And she knew that she'd get her request if she went with the right approach. That's the next thing. People approach God in the wrong way. You've got to come the right approach. Not long ago, I had honor of praying for a king. They'd taken the cuffs out of my trouser leg, told me to never back, not to turn my back on him. After prayer and things, to back away from him. Never turn your back on a king. That's a very good thing. Don't never turn your back on the king of kings then. And it's approach, a certain approach. In the courts, there's a judge up on the stand. And if you uh, know something back there, say, hey, wait a minute, judge, I want to talk to you a minute. You'll be called down. There's an approach to approach that judge, and you've got to come that approach. And there's an approach you've got to come to God. If you come to a gift of God, you've got to come in the right mental attitude. You've got to come the right approach, or you won't receive nothing when you come. That's the way this Martha did when Jesus came. She came with the right approach. This Shunammite woman, she came with the right approach with a heart burdened, longing for God, and she held on to it. And Elijah said, well, I'll just gird up his loins, and he went after him. He met Gehazi when he got there on his road back, said, I put the staff on the baby, and there was no life in him. And of course not. The woman didn't believe it. If she would have believed it, it would have happened. But she wanted the prophet. She didn't know about the staff. Elijah had faith for that, but the woman had faith in the prophet. So when Elijah comes to the room, I want you to notice, no prayer. Elijah went there, you talk about a condition. There was the people in the yard of the wailing and carrying on, a father all tore up and everybody screaming, and the little baby laying on the prophet's bed, been dead since that day at noon. And Elijah went in and he walked back and forth, the Bible said, to and fro in the room. What was he doing? Waiting for the anointing. Amen. Walking back and forth. Oh my, just waiting for the anointing. After a while, the anointing of the Holy Spirit come on him. He fell across the little baby, put his lips against his lips, his nose against his nose, his forehead against his forehead, and laid there. He felt it, got warm, got back, walked again. Oh my, I like that. Walking back and forth. So it felt the anointing on him again. When the anointing come on again, he fell across the baby again, his lips against his lips, his nose against its nose. And the first thing you know, the baby sneezed. 
seven times and come to life. Amen. Amen. Oh, how little Barney Mayus loved that story. I love it, too. Oh, he thought, you know what? That same great prophet, Elijah, and when he went up, he sent a double portion of his spirit back upon Elijah. And Elijah was a great prophet. And then, just about that time, he happened to think, not many years ago, that Elijah and Elisha walked down this same road where I'm sitting by the side of, arm in arm, going down the Jordan to split her open, to walk across. Amen. Amen. Oh, my. Oh, the wind blowed, and he put his old ragged coat up a little more, you know, kind of his son was getting around on the other side of the wall. You think, no more than a few hundred years ago, Elijah and Elisha walked right down these same old cobblestones here with their arm in arm, going down in Elisha, took that mantle off and struck the Jordan, said, and the Jordan come open, Elisha took it and come back and struck the Jordan and come back with it. Oh, I can hear Barnabas now or scream out to himself and say, Oh, if I would have only been sitting here then! If I would have been sitting here then! I'd have run out in the street and said, Oh, great holy prophets of God, pray for me that the Lord God will make me to see. And they'd have laid their hands upon me, and I, my dream last night of seeing again would have been true. I'd have got my eyesight. But alas! My priest tells me at the temple that the days of miracles is past. Oh, when was the days of miracles is past? When the day of miracles is past, the day of God is past. For God is miracles. Certainly the days of miracles never will be past. Never was and never will be. But they said that the, the days of miracles is past. About that time, he hears a, a little clicking coming down the street. Listen, it must be a, it's a little new. There's somebody running in front with sandals on. It must be a rich man coming. He couldn't see, but he could hear. It must be a rich man, because he's riding on a mule. So he got up off his rock, said, Help me! I, my name is Barney Mayus. I'm a blind man. I have a little girl at home, a wife. Please, would you give me an arm? I, I, I was here too late this morning. And the servant stopped and said, Master. And it happened to be the fellow on there said, Listen! Out of my way, bum, beggar. I'm a priest. I'm on my road down here to meet the ministerial association. There's a fanatic prophet in the land, claims to see visions and so forth, and heals sick people and so forth. He's a fanatic prophet from Galilee. I'm going to meet the ministerial association to see if none of that fanaticism ever starts around Jericho here. Get out of my way! I'm on my way. Hmm. I am the servant of the Lord, with an attitude like that. On the way. Barnabas found his way back and found his rock again, but the, you know, the sun had went around the other side a little, and it, it kind of got shady there, so he, he moved out in the sun again, found him another rock and sat down, pulled up his garment again, thought, oh, wasn't that beautiful to think back when I was a little boy, when Mother used, oh, yes, I remember again. She told me how the great Jehovah led the children of Israel, my people, over into this promised land. Of the great story she told, how Jehovah rained bread out of heaven and fed them, how he caused the great wind to blow in quails, how he brought water out of a rock. Oh, what happened to that great Jehovah? <laughs> but the priest tells me that the days of miracles is past, so there's nothing I can do about it. Oh, if I could just have lived in that day, 
If I could have only lived in the day when Jehovah was really alive and you're on earth with his people. But they tell me that's all over. So I, there's nothing I can do about it. And as he sat there, he began to think, yes. And I remember the great warrior Joshua, how my mother used to say, honey, just across there, just at the ford, right down there below the city, Joshua, the great mighty warrior who took Moses' place, a type of the Holy Spirit now, taking it. See, Moses didn't bring the children into the Promised Land. He was a lawgiver, but he didn't bring the children into the Promised Land. Joshua took them over, see? And the Holy Spirit's one to take them over now. Christ made the way and the plans and the giver of the law and so forth, but the Holy Spirit takes the church to the Promised Land. The rapture takes it up. The Holy Spirit in the rapture. And how that Joshua, the great warrior, stood on the banks over there after he had seen God moving with Moses. And he stood there, and there was in the month of April, his mother told him. And all the snow waters up in Judea in the mountains was melting, and Jordan was all the way across the plains here. But the great Joshua stood on the other side, and he seen God. And he told him to get the people together and have them to sanctify themselves, to get ready because he was going to open up the Jordan. And how did the great Joshua Put God first. Put the priest and the Ark of the Covenant first. That's a real lesson, which we had time to dwell on in a while. Put God first if you want to see something. If the doctor told you he's done all he can do for you, the man's honest. Then if he's done all he can do, put God out there now. Put God there and keep him there. Take God for your healer and see what he does. The doctor's limited. God's unlimited. The doctor can do anything he can. He can work on two senses, what he can see and what he can feel. The only two of his senses that will declare anything. God, my, he's on untapped resources he's got. All things. He can just speak the word. It'll be so. Put him first. Then they went to the Jordan. The Jordan opened. And he thought, you know, the very stone that I'm sitting on now, the power of God shook off the top of the wall, broke it down. The very stone that I'm sitting on, the power of God, shook it off of the wall there. By the people shouting and giving a praise to God, the walls of Jericho fell down flat, one on top of the other. A little shouting helps once in a while, I believe. Amen. It certainly does. Amen. And, it, and when they sounded the trumpet and the people shouted, down went the walls. And to think that the very, that you say, well, I wish I might go over there and settle on those stones. The very seat that you're sitting on is God's Word made manifest. The very earth that you walk on is God's Word made manifest. The dirt on the ground is the Word of God. Amen. This building is the Word of God. This desk is the Word of God. God created it. He created it with His own Word. There was nothing to make it out of. He said, let that be. And He believed His own Word. And there was a world coming to existence. Oh, my. I'm ready, I'm ready to hang my soul on any face of it and say it's the truth. Yes, sir. He said, let there be, and there was, because he's God. He made his own word come to pass. He still makes his own word come to pass. He always did, and he always will. He'll stand by his word. What God promises, God will do. Abraham sojourned in a strange land 25 years Get, getting older all the time, 75 before God ever called him. 
Could you imagine an old man and woman like that going down to the doctor's office and saying, Well, Doc, we want to make arrangements for the hospital, we're going to have babies. He'd say, Poor old fella, something wrong with him. That's the way every true believer in God is thought of. Yeah, I think there's something wrong. There is something wrong. You're passing death to life. You're passing the things of the world and believing the things of God. The Christian looks at the unseen, not what he sees. He looks at what he does not see. You don't see with your eyes anyhow. You see with your heart. Right. You look with your eyes. You see with your heart. Surely. You don't. You understand. Seeing is understanding. You look right at the thing and say, I don't see it. You mean you don't understand it. That's the real word of it. Now, then Abraham, he went out and said, Sarah, we're going to have a baby. I want you to go down and we buy up a lot of bird iron pins and make some little booties and get ready. The first month passed. Abraham, no different. See, she's way past menopause then. Said, no different. Second month passed. No different, Abraham. Just same as it was. Hallelujah. Go ahead and baby anyhow. How you know? God said so. That settles it. A year passed. Anything different, Sarah? No, nothing different. Glory to God. We're going to ask what to be a greater miracle it was. It happened last year. A year older now. I'm 76 and you're 66. Hallelujah. A greater miracle would have been a year younger. No different yet. No different. Ten years passed. No different yet. Praise God. We're going to have it anyhow. Hallelujah. And we're supposed to be sons and daughters of Abraham. That's the children of Abraham. And if it don't happen two minutes after we prayed for it, we say, oh, I didn't get it. Oh, you're a poor excuse for a son and daughter of Abraham. They're like that. Abraham, and instead of it getting weaker, the Bible said he got stronger all the time. Got stronger. When he was a hundred years old, he's still giving God praise. He's going to have it. And he did. They had this child because God said so. God is to be took at his word. What God says comes to pass. No matter how long it is, what it is, God says so, and you just hold on to it. That's all. Just stay with it. It'll bring you through. That was Barney Mayer sitting there thought, oh, if this very rock hanging on the wall and the power of God by the people shouting, it fell off of the wall. What a wonderful thing, he must have thought. That was a wonderful thing. Oh, if I could only live when Joshua crossed that Jordan. I went out there to Joshua and said, Joshua, thou great warrior of God, I know that you're a man of God. God has called you. You're a, you're a great man. Have prayer for my blinded eyes, Joshua. And I, I know I will see if you'll just pray for me. But alas, the days of miracles is past, said his church. We don't have that no more. God doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't do miracles. He's just God. He expects us to be very good clergymen and have a good education and know how to speak to the people and say, ah, man, real pretty and, you know, and such things as that. And, and uh, intellectual, that's got the same thing today. It hasn't changed a bit. You know, the, uh, the devil takes his man, but never his spirit. And God takes his man, but never his spirit. <laughs> so they still war in human beings just the same. One will say, oh, very religious, like Esau and Jacob and so forth, you know, very religious, but still don't believe the supernatural. But when the supernatural comes, it changes things. God comes amongst the people himself and shows himself that he is God, that he is the Jehovah. And then Joshua, after coming over to this time, one day he was walking around, viewing the walls, seeing how thick they was and how great they were, walking around, and he saw a man. And the man drew a sword. And started with Joshua, and Joshua drew his sword, and he started to meet the man. Joshua said, Are you for us? Are you for our enemy? And the man who had the sword drawn said, Nay, I'm the captain of the host of the Lord. The great Joshua dropped his sword, threw off his helmet, laid down his shield, bowed down at the foot of the man, the captain of the host of the Lord. 
Almighty. I'm the captain of the Lord's host. Blind Barnabas must have said this. Oh, think that man stood no more than a hundred yards from where I'm sitting. If I'd only lived then, I'd run out to this captain of the Lord's host and said, Oh, great captain of the host of the Lord, restore my sight to me that I can see to make a living for my family. And the captain of the Lord's host would have restored my sight. But alas, it said the days of miracles is past. Little did he know, little did he know that less than a hundred yards did the same captain coming again in the name of the Lord on his road. That's what I think now. These people on the beds and in the chairs and with heart trouble and whatever you've got and cancer, that same captain of the Lord's host is right here tonight in the form of the Holy Ghost. If you just open up your eyes and look your understanding that you might perceive that he's in our midst. Notice, the first thing you know, he heard a noise coming. You know, there's something strange. Everywhere you find Jesus, you always find a lot of noise. I don't know why it was, and it's never changed. You still find a lot of noise where he's at. One time they tried to make him keep still. He said, if they hold their peace, them rocks will immediately cry out. Something about it is noisy. And he heard a noise coming, and some of them were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. The other was mocking, making fun. Out of the gate they came. Here come a young man in his thirties, walking with his head set towards Jerusalem. The burdens of the world, all the sins of the world, laying on him. That was the captain of the host of the Lord. That's the same one was with Joshua yonder in the wilderness, with Moses in the wilderness. That was the same one with Elijah back there that raised the baby. The same captain is with Joshua, the same captain that's here tonight, the same one will be forever and forever, the same Lord God, he doesn't change, the same captain of the host of the Lord. I'm here, he was walking, and I can hear people hollering, hey, you, let's see you do a miracle. Let's see you perform a miracle. We want to see it. We hear that you perform miracles. When you hear people saying that, you know what kind of a spirit they got. It's the devil. Look what Jesus, when he found, when the Satan took him in the water, he said, If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread, you're hungry, and you want something to eat, so just make these stones bread if you're the Son of God. You'll make me believe you. If you'll just do that, Jesus don't mind the devil. No servant of God minds the devil. Jesus said, It's written. Man shall not live by bread alone. When they had him in, a, in the courtyard of the Roman courts, they put a rag around his face and took a stick and hit him on top of the head. Said, now they say you're a prophet, that you can tell things that what people have done and what people will do. Now tell us who hit you. We'll believe you. He could have done it, but he had been minding the devil. He didn't do it. He just sat there and never opened his mouth with a rag around his face and hit him. He said, you're a prophet, huh? Tell us who hit you now. We'll believe you. That same devil lives in people today. Say, if, you're, if there is a God, a healer, if this guy's got a gift of the divine healing, go down and heal this one here. Let, let me see it. I'll believe it. Let me see. You know churches put out that kind of a propaganda. You just remember that's the spirit, the same spirit. Then priest said, if thou art the Son of God, come down off the cross. I'll pull your hands loose and come down, and, and we'll believe you. Well, he could have done that if he wanted to. You know, they paid him the greatest honor there he ever had paid to him. Kept as a high priest, and said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. 
That was an honor. If he saved others, he, he could not, if he saved himself, he could not save others. So he gave himself so he could save others. He had to give himself so he could save us. He had to save himself. Like Billy Sunday said, one of his uh, writings, one of his textbooks I was reading here some time ago said, angels are sitting in every tree saying, just pull your hand off the cross and point to one of us. We'll change this scene around here. He could have done it too. But if he would have done it, where would we have been today? But he hung there with spit in his face and nails in his hands and thorns on his head and the blood running down with tears mingled, dying as a malefactor because he loved us. Giving us the chance for salvation. Giving us the chance to pray for the sick and they'd be made well. Giving us that opportunity. He did it for us. And here was that large captain of the host coming out. I can hear that same priest that just spoke to him a while ago and said, out of the way, we don't want none of the healing services in our town. Bunch of people all stirred up and everything like that on a bunch of uh, fanaticism. Some prophet out of Galilee is born to illegitimate birth and he never went to our seminary, don't know nothing about our schools, he never belongs to our denomination. We know nothing about him. We'll stop that thing, stop. We won't have nothing to do with that. I'm sure of that. We hear that same priest saying, hey, we understand that you raised a man called Lazarus. We got a whole graveyard full of them up here. Come out and raise one of them. Come on up here on the hillside. We've been burying them up there for hundreds of years. Come up here and raise one of them. We'll believe you. But you know what? He never paid one bit of attention to it. He was on his road to Jerusalem to be offered up as a sacrifice. The whole burden of the world upon his precious soul is facing Jerusalem, going right up the mountain then, to Jerusalem to be crucified for them same people that was making fun of him. They're throwing overripe fruit or eggs at him making fun of him, driving from the city, but he never paid a bit of attention to it. He just went going on. Bartimaeus got alarmed. He said, what's all this about? What's the matter? What's all this racket I hear? And someone said, out of the way, beggar. Others this way and that way. And finally, I believe it must have been some precious lady. The old fellow had been pushed off of the rock, and he said, she said, are you hurt, sir? No, ma'am, I'm not hurt, but I can't understand what's all this noise about. Why, she said, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the Galilean prophet, is passing this way. My good woman, she must have been a follower of Jesus, because the followers of Jesus is always considered, and they're kind-hearted and like to help people, like to do something to help somebody. All followers of Jesus act that way. Whether old people trying to cross the street, a follower of Jesus just doesn't go on by and let them stand there to get run over. He stops and helps them across the street. And if you see some poor old person with a big bunch of groceries, a follower of Jesus helps them pack them home. And, and if they see somebody in need, they go help them. That's what followers of Jesus does. They're always kind, tender-hearted, showing compassion, doing things for somebody. Then this follower of Jesus said, Why, well, sir, don't you understand the prophets? Well, he said, I was just sitting here uh, kind of dreaming of what the prophets used to, what my mother used to tell me about the prophets. Well, then, she said, you must understand that there is to be a Messiah come. Oh, yes, yes, we know that there will be a Messiah come because Moses said the Lord our God will raise up a prophet like unto him. And everyone that doesn't hear this prophet will be cut off from the people. He'll be a great prophet when he comes. Well, she said, sir... This man is that prophet. Why, he looks down upon the people, he discerns their thoughts, he tells them the very thing that's in their heart, he tells them things that they have done, things that will be, and every time it's perfect. Oh, do you mean that that man has arrived? 
That's him going by. Well, how's the people hollering like that? They're carrying on and making fun of him. Because they know him not. But we know him because we are believers. We know him. We follow him daily. We watch and see the miracles that he does. And we are persuaded that this is, this is the Messiah. While I saw him here some time ago when he was talking to a woman at the well. He said, go get your husband. And she said, I have no husband. He said, you've said, well, you've had five. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Why? She said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Well, he, she said, I, we know. We Samaritans know when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us these things. And this man said, I'm he that speaks to you. And she ran into the city saying, come see a man that's told me what I've done. Isn't this the Messiah? And the whole city of Samaria was converted. You don't mean, well, if he's the Messiah, that's the son of David. Yes, that's right. That's the son of David. And he screamed, thou son of David, have mercy on me. His dream could come to pass now. Maybe yours could, sister, on the cot. Your dream of health again could come to pass. Yours in the wheelchair. Yours eat up with cancer. Your dream of going back to church and renewing your vows with God. Maybe your dream is just about ready to come to pass. Maybe that captain of the host of the Lord is coming by for a while. I trust that he is. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Oh, he couldn't hear him literally. He was out on the road and hundreds of people swarming around, one screaming one thing and one another. And he throwed his old ragged coat back at her. Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Let's just take a little thing that I believe he did. I don't know that he did. I can imagine he said in his heart, if that is the son of David, then I can stand right here and ask Jehovah. Jehovah will speak to him. Right. Jehovah can stop him because he knows my condition. And I've been sitting here longing to see him. You know, that's the way to get God close to you. Just think about him. Talk about him. Just keep Jesus. Don't talk about the things of the world. Talk about Jesus. That's the way to do it. People may think you're a little funny, but that's all right. Just keep on. Let your conversation be about him. Here, I want to stop here a minute. My son, Billy. He's around here somewhere. Here about three or four years ago, we were in a meeting, and uh, he, he was playing some kind of music or something. We went in after service at Wood River, Illinois, and we went in to get some, some food. And he was playing some kind of a song. I don't know what it was. And he said, Daddy, ain't that a pretty song? I said, what song? And I, I despise them little juke boxes, whatever what you call it. I went into a many restaurants and said, Lady, I'll lay two dollars down here. I got my family. If you'll pull the plug out of that filthy thing there till I can let my family eat. You just pull the plug out. Them old rock and rolls and boogly woogly and ever that kind of stuff, it's a disgrace. It makes you so nervous you can't eat. I, I, I don't mind it myself because I got a little gear I can pull myself in and just keep thinking about God and I don't hear it at all. So after a while, he is single then before he was married. Some little lady who tipped by and said, Daddy, hasn't she got pretty hair? I said, who? He said, Daddy, all you think about is the Bible and God. I said, thank you, honey. That's a very nice compliment. That's all I want to think about. That's right. Thank you. If I can just keep my mind settled on him all the time, that's all that's necessary. There. He stood there and he thought I was thinking of him. And here he is near me now. But there's too many between me and him. I, I, I don't know what I'll do. Oh, Jehovah God, that is your servant. That's your son. You said, my servant in whom I am well pleased. I'll put my spirit upon him. He'll show judgment to the Gentiles. 
and so forth. That's your servant. Oh, God. Oh, let Jesus of Nazareth, let him speak to me. About that time, he stopped. Oh, my. He stopped. Turned around. He didn't hear him physically. It's too far from him. If you ever Jericho, look where the place, what word taking place at. And all that mob. He couldn't have heard him anyhow. But you don't, you don't have to hear him. It's your faith that stops him. Look at the little woman with the blood issue coming through the crowd. And she said, oh, if I can only touch his garment, I'll be made well. And she pressed through until she touched the border of his garment. Now, the Palestinian garment swings loose. It's a robe. It's got an underneath garment. Now, I would never feel you could touch my pocket physically. How much wore a big, loose robe? He never felt hurt physically. For he, he said, who touched me? And he looked around. And Peter rebuked him and said, well, everybody's touching you. Why do you say such a thing as that? He said, but I perceive that virtue has gone from me. And he looked around and looked on the audience. And he found the little woman out in the audience. And he said she'd had a blood issue and her faith had saved her. Now, that same God down there, no, when he was the same Jesus going up, blind Barnabas, couldn't get to him, he's too far away from him, but his faith stopped Jesus. Look, he had the sins of the world upon him. He had the, the death of every creature that ever did die or ever would die laying on him. He had every sin that ever had been committed or ever would be committed laid on him. And he was on his road to Calvary in the midst of howling mobs of religious people making fun of him and daring him to raise the dead or heal somebody. But the faith of that blind beggar stopped him still in his tracks. I want to preach one night again on Jesus stood still. See how many times it happened. When Jesus stood still there and he turned around said, bring him here. What would you that I would do? Oh, I can see him. When you found out that you've got his attention. Oh, said, behold, he called thee. Be of a good courage. He threw off his coat. Watching, he didn't lay it down real nice. No, he'd get it when he come back before he could find it. He knew if he ever got in contact with Jesus, he'd be able to see his coat when he come back. So that's the way it is. That's the way. If he ever come and had an audition with Jesus, it would be different than he could see from then on. So he just throwed his coat away. Away he went. And he said, what would you that I could do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. That was what was in his mind. He didn't talk to him how beautiful heaven was. But he had a need. I want my sight. That I might receive my sight. Jesus said, receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. The faith that stopped him. And if our faith tonight can stop him. If our faith tonight can bring him down here. We can receive our healing, what we have need of. A little story for closing. I read a little fiction, it must have been a fiction, it's supposed to have been true, but I doubt it, about Barnabas, of taking the life of prophets and so forth. And I read an article on Barnabas. They said he had been blind since he was a boy. And you know, in them days, the, the day when a man's blind, I forget what they call those dogs that lead them, you know, and, uh, some sort of a dog that leads a blind man. Seeing our dog. And them days, instead of having a dog, they had a lamb that led. And Barnabas had a lamb, and he had two little turtle doves. And said that one night he had he got a little daughter, a little blind headed daughter, and one night the little girl got sick, and he had he went out and prayed and he said, Lord, if you let my little girl get well, 
I'll offer to you um, my turtle doves tomorrow. That's the only thing. The little turtle doves tumbled over one another. And that little enchantments to attract the attention of the tourists, and they drop him in something for his uh, coin in his cup. And he said, uh, Lord, if you'll just let me get well, I'll take my two turtle doves to the uh, church tomorrow, and I'll sacrifice these two turtle doves for you. And the little girl's fever broke, got well. A few weeks after that, his wife got sick, and the physician said there was nothing could be done for her. He had done all of he knowed. And he went outside the building, holding alongside the house, and he said, Oh, Jehovah, if you let my dear wife live, I promise you I haven't got nothing else to give you, so I'll give you my lamb that led him up there. And so the next morning, his wife was better, so he went on his road to take his lamb up for sacrifice. He said he met the high priest. He said, Blind Barnabas, where goest thou this morning? He said, O high priest of God, I go to the temple to offer my lamb for a sacrifice. My wife got well when I prayed for her, and I promised Jehovah I would give him this lamb. And the high priest said, reached into his uh, uh, bag of money and said, O Barnabas, thou cannot offer that, that lamb. Said, I'll give you money, and you go to the to the buyers or the exchanges, and said, you go up there and buy you a lamb to be sacrificed. He said, oh, high priest, very much thanks to you, but said, I never promised God a lamb, I promised him this lamb. That's so much out of the trouble today, friends. Easter, we fill the altars full of lilies. God, the altar wasn't made for lilies, the altar was made for you. But we, we want to bring something else to substitute for us. We can't do that. Our substitute's done, been brought. Christ. He said, I never promised him a lamb. I promised him this lamb. And the high priest said, Barnabas, thou cannot offer that lamb. That lamb is your eyes. You cannot offer that lamb. He said, O high priest of God, truly that's so. But if I will keep my promise to God, God will provide a lamb for blind Barnabas' eyes. It was that cold morning that the lamb God had provided for her. The lamb of God had been provided for blind Barnabas' eyes. I can see him as she said, Receive thy sight. Standing a few minutes, looking at his hand. Oh, he told me I would get it. He said my sight would come. The crowd is going on down the road. After a while, he seen a shadow. He said, Oh, here it is. I begin to see my fingers move. And away he went. Glorifying God. Sure, God had provided a lamb for blind Barnabas' eyes. That same lamb is provided for you, sister, for you, sister, for you, for you, for me, for whosoever will. God has a lamb provided for us tonight for our eyes, for our eyes and our spiritual sight would come open and recognize that it's the Lord Jesus Christ in our midst. May he grant it tonight is my prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for these Bible stories. They are so much to us. We love them because they are life to us. We see what You was, and what You was yesterday, You are today, and will be forever. Now, Holy God, the Creator of heavens and earth, send again tonight the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come, He will take these things of mine and show them to You. He will show You things to come. He'll testify of the truth. He'll testify of me, said Jesus. And we know that it's true. And I pray, Father, that tonight that the Holy Spirit will do the works here in the audience that Jesus did when he was here on earth, 
that they might understand, and these people's eyes would come open, every one of them. Many of them are good, loyal Christian people, and they love you, and they love you with all their heart. Now, Father, open up their spiritual eyes that they might be able to understand that these things are exactly what you said would take place. It's exactly your promise, what you promised us. And may we see it tonight, the hand of the living God among us. And then all people's eyes will be opened, and then we will all receive our healing, our salvation. And the, when the church closes tonight, may we go home like those who came from Emmaus, after you had been dead and buried and rose again, walk with them all day, and they didn't recognize you. But when you got them shut in with you alone that evening, you did something just like you did before you were crucified. They knew that you was not dead no longer, that you had risen from the dead, for no man could do those things the way you did them. And they run rejoicing, saying, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us along the way? Grant the same thing to repeat tonight. Lord, come among us. Take our bodies. Take this poor body of mine. If you can use it, do so. Father, you cannot use mine without using theirs. So use the sick people's body. Use our souls and bodies tonight to thy honor and glory, that others might see and be healed. For we ask it in Jesus' name, the captain of the host of the Lord. Amen. If there was a possible way for me to perform a healing, if I could cause this lady here to get up off of this uh, cot she's laying on and walk away, I, I'd take a quarter and push it with my nose around this city just to see it done. I, what, if I, what, was that, what was my, my sister, my mother, my wife laying there? What if this was one of my... What if you out there with cancer or heart trouble, what if it's my mother, my brother, my son, my daughter? My. But... I wish I could, but I can't. And if Jesus stood here with this suit on it, he gave me. Neither could he. He's already done it. How many believe that salvation and every redemptive blessing is already purchased? Then what would he do if he was here? He would just act like he did when he was here on earth, do something that you would see that he was the living Jesus. Now, how many knows this? That Jesus said that at this end time, we've been preaching on this week, that the Spirit of God would come on the earth, call the Holy Ghost, and would do the same works that He did. How many know that? Show the same sign that He showed. He showed it to the Jews, He showed it to the Samaritans, but He never showed it to the Gentiles. It wasn't their day. Neither were the Gentiles looking for a Messiah. But today we are looking for the second coming of Christ. Now, we must receive the sign of the Messiah, which is the last sign. And remember, remember He spoke of Noah, but He didn't say then. But it said, as it was the days of Sodom. He told what the morals of the day of Noah, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. But as the days of Sodom, he left that alone. See? That's Revelation. Watch the angels, how we've been speaking about what they've done. The ministry. Look at the Billy Graham today. Just exactly. Modern Oral Roberts, Billy Graham. Those mighty evangelists sweeping the world, calling out of Babylon, out of Sodom, everything they can. Is it getting any better? Worse all the time. Now watch the church elect. You believe in the election? Sure have to if you believe the Bible. <laughs> Our names are put in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, says the Bible. We are elected by God, by his foreknowledge. He elected us. Now, now, and then if we are called, you ought to be thankful to God that you was elected. That's what I'm so thankful about. Is God called me, chose me. I never chose him. He chose me. You never chose him. 
No man can come to me except my Father draws him first, and all the Father's given to me will come to me. <laughs> That's right. So, you see, if God calls you, he'll knock at your door. That's the time for you to come. Now, today is the Gentiles' day. This is the day, the last message. And remember, Sodom was a destruction when fire fell from heaven. Have you all been reading the paper about this rally that's going on out here in California? How those men are talking about throwing off from one party to another? Of course, to me, I, I'm, I cast one vote as on Jesus Christ for my Savior. I'm going to win. That's right. It's all right. I voted for the Lord Jesus to be my Savior. That's all. Now, I believe in voting. I believe you should do it, but this pulpit's no place to talk about that. You talk about that wherever you want to. This is the gospel here. This is something I know is straight and clean and true, and I know it's going to happen. That's all. Now, when he's here, when Jesus comes to us tonight, I want you to remember that every redemptive blessing that he could ever give you, he was, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Everybody was saved. Everybody was healed when Jesus died at Calvary. But you've got to have a, your own personal faith in him to be saved or to be healed. Now, if Jesus is here tonight, you say, Lord Jesus, come down, lay your hands on me and heal you. You know what he'd say? Child, am I? Don't you believe my word? You believe my word? I was wounded for your transgressions. With my stripes you were healed. Now, his words to be sufficient. But then, if you didn't believe my word, I'd probably just let it go. If I didn't believe yours, you let me go, but not God. If you don't believe his word, then still he sent the Holy Spirit with gifts in the church. What's the first? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, all for the perfecting of the church. To bring the church to knowledge of him. A teacher, a pastor, a evangelist, a prophet. All these things are to, are to make known. How many Pentecostal people is here tonight? Well, you people believe in speaking with tongues. Paul said, if there's one among you now who speaks with tongues and nobody interprets, unless it's for edification, somebody can interpret it, unless it's for to edify the church, while the people that's unlearned will come in and go away and say, why, you're all crazy, all mad, which mad means crazy, and say, well, you're all mad. But if one is a prophet and will prophesy and reveal the thing, then they'll have to fall down and say, truly, God's with you, because that is God's last sign. We know that, and that's it. We are living in it today. The Lord bless you. Now, I forgot. Where's Billy Paul? Is he? Oh, excuse me. He's so little I can't see him. Uh, how many cars did you give him? Fifty. Did he start from fifty or one two fifty? All right. We can't line all of them up at once, so let's just line them up as we can. All right. Uh, prayer card number one. Who has it? What's the letter? B. B number one. To be real, or I am a false prophet and a liar. And the Bible's wrong. The God of Christianity promised that he would meet here wherever you assemble together, I'll be with you. He sent an angel and told me, do not fear. I've, you're sent to pray for sick people. You'll know the very secret of the heart. I, now, visions started coming. First thing I can remember in life was a vision. It's always been. You're born with these gifts. You don't lay hands on one another for these kind of gifts. These gifts God sets in the church. Is that right, brother? See? God sets them in church. You're born with them. They're natural. Just natural like any other thing. Now, I'm trusting that he will grant his presence. If he does, may his great blessings be upon us. Be reverent. Believe. You say, what are you stalling for, Brother Branham? I'm waiting for him. Exactly. If he doesn't come, I can't do nothing. 
But if he does anoint me, I can do it. Now, you watch ever who's engineering this, this uh, microphone here, because it may be that I, my voice sometimes, it's a unconscious, you don't know what you're saying, it's a vision, you're seeing something that's taking place, and somewhere else. So now, if it happens not to be loud enough, say to some of the men, remember, all of you, see you tomorrow night, the Lord willing, God bless you. Now may the Lord Jesus bless while we softly sing, only believe, everyone is together now. I can see him as he comes down off the hill. There's an epileptic child there. He said, Lord, have mercy on my child. He's seriously vexed with the devil. Jesus said, I can. If you believe, for all things are possible, only believe. I take every spirit in here under the control of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, is, is this the man? Is this one person to be prayed for? How do you do, sir? Now, we are meeting, I suppose, for our first time in life. That is true. All right? We are just two human beings that comes together. I don't know you, and you don't know me, and perhaps you are here for some sickness or some loved one or some financial, I don't know what, your domestic trouble. Whatever it is, God knows all about it. Now, it could be so that I'd walk across here after I've told you these things that I have and lay hands upon you and say, I will pray for you, my brother, and you go and be well. Or maybe I might do as some of our ministry brother, just put our hands over on you and rebuke the spirit and so forth, like some of those brothers who has real, what we call bulldog faith, like Brother Oral Roberts puts his hands up on him and has a real faith and condemns the thing and like that. that that's Brother Roberts' ministry. And God... God don't deal with no two men alike. I can't take Brother Robert's place and he can't take mine. We both have ministries and we have to do as God tells us to do. But now, if I would come up here and say, all right, Brother, uh, brother, I've got uh, a ministry to lay hands on you. Now, I tell you that, you go on, you probably get well. That's right. But now, you can have a little doubt about that, see? Now, did he tell me the truth or not? Now, if Jesus Christ still lives like he did in the days gone by, and I can yield myself to his spirit, not knowing you, then if something comes in me and begins to reveal something, that's, uh, something that you have done back in your past, like he did the woman at the well, like he told Simon Peter when he come to him, and oh, so many places in the Bible, see, if he begins to tell you what you were, well, you'll know whether that's truth or not. Then you'll be witness of that. And you'll know whether that's right or not. You can witness whether it's so or not. Then, if he tells you what has been, then tell you what will be. If that what has been is true, then what he tells you will be will surely be true. Is that right, audience? Yeah. Then you don't have to guess. That's the spirit of the law. Now, I don't say that he will. I trust that he will. But if he will, the audience has already promised. This right here, if he had tell this man, just do the same thing like he did when Simon come to him and said, Thou, thou art Simon, and you're the son of Jonas, or told him who he was, or Philip, or some of the others like that, as he did when they come to him, 
Why, it would make Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever, wouldn't it? Make his presence here the great chief captain of the host of the Lord. Now, I have no idea what... He looks a healthy man to me. Nothing about him would look unhealthy, but surely he may not be sick. It may be something else. Lord knows. Now, may the Lord help me. May the Holy Spirit of God come to me and speak so the people will know. Know it's some spirit, and they'll be judged for what they call. God, you are the judge. Let it be through Jesus Christ's name. For your glory, Lord. Not for a show, but for your glory. Amen. Now, if the people can still hear my voice, the man's going away from me. He has got something wrong, he's troubled in his skull, in his head. He, uh, that's where his trouble lays. That's right, isn't it, sir? If that's right, raise up your hand. Now, there's, there's some power that knows that about that man. I don't. You say, there might be some... Is anybody here never was in one of the meetings before? Raise up your hand. Never was in a meeting before. You might think I guessed it. All right. Let's see. Let him... I don't know what it was. The tapes there has got it. That's where we keep these tapes. Everything was said. There's never been one thing ever said but what the Lord confirmed it to be true. Yes. Here it is. The man suffering with something about his head. It's, uh, he got hurt. It was something about logs or something about a log boom or something. Thus saith the Lord. That's right. That's right. You're not from here. You've come here to this meeting. You're from California. That's right. You think God knows who you are? Could he tell me who you are? Would it help you? You believe it? Make it? You would? All right, Mr. Robinson, you can go back home and do that. You believe on the Lord? Now, you see, look, friends, that isn't me. I, God knows I can't tell you one thing was said to that man. It's a vision. I'm watching what's taking place. See? Now, that's the same thing. How many in your believers know that that's the same thing Jesus Christ did when he was here on earth and promised it would be a sign of the end time? Now, what more can we say? He's here. Now, you believe on him. That ought to settle it. The whole audience ought to rise up and say, Thank the Lord. He heals me. Goes on. That's right. It's all over. He's proved it. How do you... Is this... I'm not beside myself with visions. You have to watch. You, you're, you, you see, I look at you here and I see you somewhere. You know what I mean, a vision. Do you believe me to be his prophet or his servant? you believe that? We're strangers to each other. I don't know you, but God knows you. Now, this is a, another beautiful picture, like St. John 4, you Bible readers. A man and a woman met for the first time in life, the woman of Samaria and Jesus of Nazareth. You remember that story? What did Jesus do? He had need to go by Samaria. God sent him up there. I had need to come to Klamath Falls. God sent me over here. A woman come out and was talking to Jesus. Jesus talked to her long enough to contact her spirit and found what her trouble was and told her. And she said, you must be a prophet. We know that when the Messiah, which is the Lord Jesus, Messiah, when he comes, he'll tell us these things. Jesus said, I'm he that talks to you. Now, if you was ever in Samaria, it's a well set in a little panoramic, just like this here. Here's the very kind of a story relived again. There she is. I do not know her. 
and we're strangers and meeting here for the first time, have no idea what the woman's standing there for. But God knows what she's here for. He knows all about it. If God will reveal to me something that's your trouble, just something another wrong or, or whatever you're here for, will you believe me to be his servant? Audience will do the same. The other was a man that all the women believe. Now the lady is aware right now that something's going on. Between me and the woman stands that light. How many seen it on the picture? Have you got the pictures are all here? Gino, are you all bringing pictures of the platform? You should get one. It's a copyrighted picture. Hangs in the Religious Hall of Art in Washington, D.C. The only supernatural beam is ever scientifically photographed. That's by the government. Photographed over here. What's this place we're going next over here? California? Lakeport. You have uh, kind of complications, heart, different troubles that you're suffering with. You're not from here, from this city. You come from another city. It's called Lake something, Lake View, that's where you're from. That's right. You're interested in someone else you're praying for, too. You have some rectal trouble. Also, it's something on the or of a of a hemorrhoid. It's more like a tumor. You have something in the nose also that's bothering you in your nose. That's right. You got a daughter here. That's right. Some kind of a trouble like a skin, bad feet. That's right. That is true, isn't it? Your husband couldn't come, but he's sick also. You believe I can tell you by the Holy Ghost what's his trouble? Hemorrhoid. That's right. You believe God can tell me who you are? Would it help you? Would you go home and believe what I told you to be true? You would anyhow. Well, Miss Topsell, you can go home and be made well. Jesus Christ, Jesus. God bless you, sister. You believe on the Lord Jesus? That should settle it over the audience. How do you do, sir? You believe me to be his servant? If you believe that with all your heart, you're, you're a mighty fine man. You're standing here for somebody else. Got dropsy. That's right. Go believe now, and he'll get over it. <laughs> Just have faith in God. Don't doubt. That lady sitting right back there. She's the mother of some little sick children. You touched something, that lady. You believed, didn't you? You have hemorrhoids yourself that you won't pray for. That's thus saith the Lord. Your little children's sick. You got two sets of twins. That's right, isn't it, lady? That's right. Raise up your hand. What did she touch? Look where she's sitting. What did she do? She never touched me. She touched him, the high priest. He turns around. Don't worry, lady. You are healed and your children will be well. Your faith saves you. If you can believe. Here sits a lady with her eyes bowed like that. She's praying for herself. Got arthritis. You believe the Lord will make you well, sister? Sitting there? You were praying. You said, Lord, let him call me. That's right. Raise up your hand if that's what you said in your prayer. How do I know what you said in your prayer? Have faith in God. Don't doubt. 
How do you do, sir? We are strangers to each other. I do not know you, and, and but God does. If the Lord will reveal to me something about you, will you believe him with all your heart? Your trouble is in, the, in your head. You're having trouble with your head. You have spells, kind of like passing out and so forth. You're a little of doubt about your salvation, too. You're not exactly sure whether you're exactly right or not. That is right. And how this come about, you had an accident that did this. That is so. Mr. Woodland, do you believe that that's the truth? <laughs> that's what it's tough, wasn't it? All right, go on. You'll be all right. God bless you. Just <laughs> have faith. Believe with all your heart. God will grant your request if you'll only believe him. Are you? Believe? Now look, you're aware that something has to do that. Is that right? Now what kind of a spirit is it? Do you believe it to be the spirit of God? Now the Pharisees said to Jesus that he was a Beelzebub when he did it. He said, I'll forgive you for saying that, but when the Holy Ghost comes, if you speak one word against it, it'll never be forgiven. Is that right? Now ask some of these people who the miracle's been performed on. Ask them. See whether it's real. God knows that it's so real. How do you do, lady? Kind-looking person. <laughs> just look, see how what she is? just gets so weak. The whole audience looks like swimming around and around him. Remember, Jesus saw one vision, one person touched him, and he said, "I perceive that virtue's gone from me." What is virtue? Is strength. Some of you out there now don't have prayer cards and so forth. You pray. You out there, you look up to God and say, God, I believe you. This man don't know me. If you'll just touch me, O oh Lord God, if you'll just make me well, just let him speak to me. I'll believe with all my heart. I challenge your faith to that. Don't believe me. Believe him. Because I'm just a man just like this microphone. It is the microphone you're hearing. It's my voice. It isn't me you're hearing. It's him. Sir, sitting there with your back trouble, you believe that Jesus Christ will heal you and make you well? Your wife sits next to you there. She's got trouble with her fingers. You believe God will heal her too? You believe, sister, also? That alarms you, didn't you, brother? You didn't know you had that much faith. Put your hands over on your wife. She's got some kind of an infection like it bothers in her hands. Put your hands on one another now. Satan, I rebuke you. Come out of these people. In the name of Jesus Christ, may they be healed. Amen. Now, to you two that would just call, do you one of you don't have a prayer card? You don't have a prayer card. You don't need one. All right? Now, what did you have? You had faith. You touched the heart. I don't know you. If that's right, raise up your hands. If we're strangers to one another. Now, I've never seen you in my life. I guess you've never seen me. Well, that faith is kind of unbeknownst to you, but you touched something, and he rewarded you for it. Now, you'll be well. Don't worry. Your faith has made you well. If that isn't Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, I don't know the Bible. It is true. Excuse me, lady. I just, look, it's your turn to be prayed for. I just watched the audience. So that people would see that it 
it doesn't take a, a prayer card to heal people, you see. It, it, uh, it uh, takes faith in God. That's right. It takes faith in God to heal people. If you just have faith and don't doubt, God will heal you. What do you think about that, Mr. Robinson, sitting there with the rupture? You think that God would make you well? <laughs> you do? All right, sir. I never seen the man in my life. Never seen him in my life. But he's sitting there thinking about that. That's right, isn't it, sir? Raise up your hand. See, Jesus knows all about what you're praying about and all about it. Just have faith. If you'll believe with all your heart that it comes from God, whatever your trouble is, be gone. He loves you well enough to call you. When you call to him, he answers you back. Isn't he wonderful? Suffering with tremendous headaches all the time, sitting right back there on the end. You believe that God will make you well? If you believe it, headache days are done. We are strangers to one another. I do not know you. We are probably years apart and, and miles apart, and, and here we are meeting. But Jesus knows both of us. That is right. If he, by his great power, will reveal to me something about you that you know that I do not know, will it just give you a great help? It will. Try this once, one more. You see, if our Holy Spirit is such a kind person waiting all that time, then we'll have prayer for the rest of the people. You're really here in behalf of somebody else. You are here for a person that's got a nervous, mental nervous condition kind of losing their mind. That's right. And you've laid a handkerchief up here to take to that person. That is right. You're not from this city. You come from a place called Grants Pass, but the Rogue River. That's right. You have uh, kind of a heart trouble, complications. That is true. Right. Got a daughter here tonight you're interested in. She's adopted daughter. Actually, she's in the line to be, to be in the line to be prayed for back there. She has rheumatic heart, tumor, throat. You come here by bus. You're to go back tomorrow. This is be your last night here. That is true. Say, you've been a minister, a woman preacher. That's the dust saith the Lord. That's the truth. Now, do you believe? Now, go home and receive just exactly what you've asked for in the God of heaven. Ever bless you. Just go on in, sister. It's, it's over. You're going to be all right. Just don't, don't doubt. Just go on. <laughs> now, I could not see the girl from where the woman was standing, but I seen her right here in front of me. Now, do you believe already with one cry? You believe on the Lord Jesus? Everyone whosoever will let him come. Sir, if you believe God the arthritis will leave you, believe that? Then go on your road and rejoice and say, Thank you, Lord, for being real good to me. And you have the same thing. Another thing of a man of your age would actually have a prostrate a little bit like that, make you nervous. And so if you believe with all your heart, do you? Then go on your road and say, Thank you, Lord, I'm going to be well. All right, sir. You're a mighty young woman to have heart trouble, but do you believe that God can heal heart trouble? Go on your road and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for ever making me well. All right? Come, lady. 
You're shattered. There's a dark shadow falling you, which means that you've got cancer. It's shattered to death. You believe that God can heal you and make you well? Raise up your hand and say, I accept it, Lord. Go on your road and be made well. Believe with all your heart. Come, lady, if you will. All right, you have back trouble. Do you believe that God can heal your back? Go on your road and be made well. Believe with all your heart. You believe out there? All right, come, sir. You've got an asthmatic condition. You believe that God can heal it? Go on your road and say, thank you, Lord. Be made well. Come, sir. You got diabetes. You believe that God can heal diabetes? Go on your road and be made well. Believe with all your trouble. Your trouble's in your back. You was injured. You believe that God will make you well? Go on your road and be made well. And have faith in God. Come, sir, this way. Just a minute. I perceive this man's got a death spirit. Bow your head just a minute. Oh, Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, author of everlasting life, giver of every good gift, open the ears of this man and make him to hear, Lord. He cannot hear. It's faith coming by hearing this death spirit on him. Open it up, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Satan, turn him loose. How long have you been this way? Long time? Four years. You hear me all right now? All right, you hear me now? You hear me now? You say, Amen. I love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just separate now and <laughs> You're healed. By the way, you was healed once before my meeting. Amen. I see what has happened. Amen. God God, God healed you years ago. God bless you. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't our Lord wonderful? Now tell me one thing that he doesn't do. The reason I tucked that man there for that, uh, I don't know how deaf it was. He said his eardrums was bursted by a dynamite cap. And so I didn't know whether he could hear any or not. I just know there's a deafness on him. And that's the reason. If he can't, if he can't hear, but then when I went to pray for him, I seen him standing in another line, and I seen the glory of God over him, and he was healed in another meeting. And so the man, all right now, perfectly normal. That's the reason you hold him like that and hold it till it happens, till he can hear. Man, faith, he can hear. Faith cometh by hearing. Do you all believe on the Lord Jesus? How many here believe I'm confident that the chief captain, the captain of the host of the Lord, is in the building? Do you believe it? Now, lay your hands over on one another. Let's have a congregational prayer. Each one of you, if you believe that, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, we cannot heal, but believe. Please believe. He's passing this way. Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me. Thou Son of God, have mercy on me. O Lord, God, creator of heavens and earth, author of everlasting life, giver of every good gift, Send thy blessings upon this people who are blessed in your name. Lord, I'm so weak I can't stand here any longer. I pray that your spirit will come in great power and unction and take a hold of this audience. May the people rise to their feet screaming, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me, O God grant it, and may every person here be healed. Satan, I condemn you upon the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ in the vicarious suffering the resurrection. Come out of this audience. Leave this people in the name of Jesus Christ.